Okay, so as we have been doing the past several weeks, we are now going to read um, the Catechism. Okay, so we are going to, I'm going to read a question, and then say the question, and then I'll read the answer, and you guys follow along with me in reading the answer, okay? Question. What is the law of God stated in the Ten Commandments? Answer. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not covet. Pray with me. Father, we want to to come before you and to thank you for your law. Uh, Lord, we know that your law is a reflection of your character. So often do we look at your law and we think it's it's bullets like it's bullet points that we can do, Lord, that we need to achieve to be right with you, Lord. But rather it is an expression of your holiness and the purity with which you govern all things, Lord. As laws are a reflection of the government that issued them, Lord, these laws reflect your holiness and your desire for holiness for your people. Lord, but we look at the law and we look at it as a mountain, God, that we cannot climb. Lord, it is, it is Mount Sinai. Lord, we cannot approach it lest we die. Lord, we cannot achieve these things. Father, we, have, we are all fallen. We are all sinful. Father, we need you. We, we need a redeemer, Lord. We need someone to keep this law for us. Lord, we need, we need Jesus. Lord, we know that Jesus came and fulfilled this law. Lord, he lived his entire life under these precepts perfectly, Lord. And we thank you so much for that. Lord, we see this law and we come to it and we, we see impossibility. Were it not for you, Lord, there would be no way for us to be saved, God. But in your grace and in your kindness, you have given us, you have given us Jesus. You have given us a way of salvation, Lord, and we thank you for that most of all. Father, we are a church of needy people. Lord, there are needs that every one of us have, some known, some unknown. Father, we pray that your sovereign hand would be good to us, Lord. We know that Lord, your, your word promises that all things work together for our good. And Father, we pray that, that we would see our good coming as, as you. Lord, you are our good. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand that though this life is wrought with trials, Lord, that there are sadnesses and there are ang- angers and anxieties and fears at every turn and in every situation, Lord. We pray, God, that you would give us peace in knowing that you are our God and Father. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this church, this body. Lord, we thank you for just everyone coming together to gather under your name. Lord, we pray that you would help us to leave pride and and uh, section sectionism, whatever. Lord, that you would help us to not be boastful or proud or divisive. Lord, that you would help us to be a people of humble servants of our great God, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would... Help the families to grow strong together. Marriages, parenting, Lord, singleness, Lord, that you would help us all to honor you and glorify you for your name and your renown in all these things. We pray in Jesus' name. Be with Brian as he comes up. 
Help him to deliver your truth. Help us to take what he has, Lord. In your name we pray these things, Jesus. Amen. Today's scripture reading for today will be uh, the book of Philemon, verses 1 through 25. Philemon, verses 1 through 25. This is the word of the Lord. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness may not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my, with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be, gracious, I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. All right. Thank you, Michael and Michael, the two Michaels. <clears throat> if any of you are confused uh, about why I'm up here, or why we're not doing Mark, well, I'm sorry. Uh, it's been a crazy week, it's a crazy year, so why not? Let's shake things up. If you're watching on YouTube, the graphic may say Mark. Well, we're not doing Mark. This is not uh, an accident, this was intentional. Kevin was originally supposed to be at a conference, so we decided we would continue with the schedule and just give him a little time off 
So I promise I will not be back up here next Sunday unless uh, we have another snowpocalypse and uh, Kevin gets snowed in. But uh, if you're also wondering about the book of Philemon, some of you may be even uh, wondering why that why is it a book? You may not even have known it was a book of the Bible. I hope you did. hope that's not the case, but it's 25 little verses tucked in between Titus and Hebrews. Uh, it's a really wonderful book. Um, we're going to do the whole thing. Not every word, every jot and tittle, but we're going to cover the whole book. I'm not going to take weeks and weeks and weeks like Kevin and cover, cover a book. No. Uh, no, it's really hard to do a multi-week series on Philemon. Uh, it's 25 verses. I know some probably could and do a wonderful job, but we're not going to do that. We're going to knock it out today. Uh, and along with Paul's other postcard epistles, this is a really good book to do a quick check off your reading list. If you get, uh, if you get behind on your reading schedule, your yearly reading plan, read Philemon. It's 25 verses. You can say, I read a whole book today. Uh, so uh, that's, a, that's another little added bonus. Uh, another bonus, a uh, little challenge it provides is how do you pronounce it? I've heard several pronunciations, Philemon, Philemon, Philemon. As long as you put the stress and emphasis on the Lee, it's okay. You're, you're saying it right. It's Philemon or Philemon, uh, but not Philemon. So if you've said it like that, you're saying it wrong. Uh, shame on you. But uh, we're not going to talk about that either. We're going to talk about what this letter truly is. And it's a letter from Paul to Philemon. Philemon was... Did I say it the wrong way? No, I said it correctly. He was a slave owner of the church in Colossae. And that's going to be uh, critical, as, as you'll see in just a minute. But this was a personal request and a plea. A little bit different than a lot of Paul's letters, where he's writing to a large church, uh, like Corinthians, addressing problems that the church is having. Now, at the beginning of the letter, Paul does say he greets others um, Archippus maybe, and, and he says, um, to the church in your house. So it, it wasn't just only to be read by Philemon. It was to be circulated. But the main point of this letter is Paul's plea to Philemon for a slave named Onesimus. It's a letter emphasizing and encouraging forgiveness. As we saw, Onesimus has done something wrong. We're not sure what it was. He was a slave. He was Philemon's slave. And whatever offense he committed, he doubled his trouble by running away. Uh, he sought Paul. It's likely that Onesimus already knew who Paul was because Paul himself was a prisoner at this time and was likely not hanging out on the street corners or at the local uh, eatery or whatever was available. Uh, Onesimus probably knew Paul existed because of his relationship with Philemon. And he sought him out. And during his time with Paul, Onesimus became saved. And that's critical in what Paul is trying to get across to Philemon. You know, Paul had some liberties as a prisoner. He wasn't locked away in, in confinement. He could receive visitors and minister to others. Uh, not like our, our prison system like we might imagine today. But whatever this offense was... Uh, it was severe enough that Onesimus knew he was in trouble, so he fled, which, like I said, that doubled his, his trouble. But we don't know specifically what. It's most likely he stole something. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us, so we don't have to focus too much time on what it was. Uh, if God doesn't reveal it in the Scriptures, then we don't need to waste time trying to pursue 
uh, and, and build up um, stories about it. The secret things belong to him, and what he's revealed to us, that's what we need to focus on. So he messed up, and he ran away. Uh, it's just important to know that an offense was committed, and Onesimus was in trouble. He faced severe, harsh punishment uh, to the point where he could have been killed for his one, whatever the offense was, but then he fled. So uh, a double double whammy. Um, he wasn't sure what to do, so he went off and found Paul. Another story of uh, an offense, this case was an accident, committed that could have just as easily resulted in death, was something that I did when I was 11. Uh, around 1988, 89-ish. I used to go to work in the summertime with, with my dad. He was uh, uh, worked in a body shop for a car dealership. He was a magician with wrecked cars. And I, I don't mean just swapping out old parts for new parts. I mean the, the skill of fixing, repairing dents, you know, by, by an actual uh, effort of labor, not just swapping out uh, a damaged fender or part. He was great at this. My granddad also worked at the shop, was actually the shop foreman. And similar to flipping houses, my grandpa had bought a wrecked Mazda 626. Some of you may remember that car. It's a midsize, kind of a Toyota Camry-ish size. But uh, he bought it wrecked from an insurance company. My dad fixed it up. My grandpa was going to resell it, make a little extra money on the side. So dad had fixed it up, got it all ready. He was going to paint it in the next couple of days. And I just happened to be, it just happened to be one of those afternoons. I was at the shop hanging out. And right before 5 o'clock, uh, guys are standing around waiting on quitting time, and car's unlocked. So I climb in. It's a five-speed, so, you know, 11-year-old, I'm racing. I'm pretending I'm shifting gears, and and the guys are standing there. And I thought, I look down, and, oh, keys are in the ignition. I'm going to show these old guys I know how to crank a car. Well, and I knew better. And as you know, if you have any knowledge whatsoever of the workings of a of manual transmission, you're supposed to push the clutch before you crank it, especially if it's in gear. And I knew that, but left it in gear, and I thought, for some reason, my warped mind, thinking I knew everything, I'll just mash extra hard on the brake, and I'll crank it. Well, as you know, if you have a, a manual transmission in gear and you hit that key, it's going to try to drive, whether it cranks or not. It's going to move four to six feet at least. It's going to just lurch, kind of like when you pop the clutch and you don't know what you're doing. Well, I did that. I bumped the key. There was somebody leaning up against the car, so this car takes off, lurches. It doesn't travel the entire four to six feet because of the four-inch steel pole right in front of me. Now, remember, this car was fixed up from being wrecked, ready to be repainted and sold. My dad had done all this this wonderful work, and I undid it just like that. Now, that was not a legal offense like Onesimus, but I faced death because it was my granddad's car. <laughs> and the worst part was my dad. Well, I bent the hood, busted the headlight, bent the radiator support. I didn't just scratch this thing. Then my dad looks at me and says, Go tell your grandfather what you've done. Now, my granddad was old school, you know, grew up hard, and, and he, had, uh, he had a temper in his younger days, so I heard. My dad always told me, if you see your granddad, he dipped snuff at the time, and said, if he starts spitting a lot, he's mad. So 
my grandpa was, you know, he was at the service department, had not come back to the shop. So I run, I stuff my back pockets full of toilet paper, thinking I'm about to get spanking of a lifetime. And then I have to go tell my papa what I did. Tried to be funny. He wasn't having any of that. And he did something that I was not expecting. I was expecting death and punishment. Punishment and death. And he said, son, you made a mistake. He said, you're going to have to cut my grass to help pay for it. So, yes, sir. Absolutely. I'll, I'll dig it up and replant it. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And he only made me cut his yard one time. He saw something. He looked above an offense and showed me grace. Now, that's different from Onesimus' situation in that Onesimus committed a, a legal offense as a slave, but he was facing potential death. I was surely facing potential death. Neither, neither. Nope. We're good? All right. Maybe it's my grandpa. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Paul was sending Onesimus back to Philemon. <laughs> Go tell him what you did, basically. Now, we have to understand in the Greco-Roman world, slavery was a little bit different than we picture slavery. Our, our vision and view of slavery was a lot more brutal and harsh on a regular basis. Slaves during that time actually had opportunity to make money. They could get married. They could worship. Some slaves even had vocations like teaching and writing, regardless of their race. But there is one common thread between slaves of that time and our modern idea of slavery. They were not their own. They were owned by someone else. They served a master. There was no autonomy. And that's important as we look at this letter to Philemon and why Paul does what he does and why we see him acting the way he acts. And I want to approach this letter highlighting three points. First two will be a little bit... Okay, am I back on? All right, sorry. This didn't happen this morning, earlier. I want to look at what is it that Paul focuses on, or rather chooses to not focus on. And then two, how Paul lives out the gospel, exemplifies Christ in his interaction with both Onesimus and Philemon. Three, when we're faced with a similar situation, how should we respond? So first, what is it Paul focuses on? The main point of this letter is forgiveness. He's asking Philemon to forgive Onesimus. And if you'll notice, he never addressed slavery at all. He doesn't say, Philemon, you shouldn't own slaves. Slavery's bad. Slavery's wrong. That's not what he points out. And that could be offensive to some, but Paul has a higher goal in mind. And it's not that he's indifferent to a slave's plight. He's just focusing on something of greater value. Paul addresses the slave relationship and master relationship in the book of Colossians chapter 3, the end of chapter 3, beginning of chapter 4. Chapter 3, verse 22, Paul says, Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. 
For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. And this is critical. See, Philemon was a slave owner in Colossae. So he's already, well, we'll have seen this at some point. And Paul's addressed that. The letter to Philemon is totally separate. So it's not that Paul's being insensitive. He just has a higher goal to accomplish. Paul begins this letter praising Philemon for what he has heard, the work that Paul has heard Philemon doing. In verse 7, he says, You have refreshed the hearts of the saints. And he then reminds Philemon that he, Paul, could command him to do what he's asking him to do. Verse 8 says, I could command you to do what is required. Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. Paul could pull rank. He could basically say, look, I could make you do this if I wanted to, but I'd rather it be out of love. Just like when we, we can force, we can make as parents, or if you're an employer, you can somewhat make your employees do something. Or your children, you can force them to do something. But it's so much more warming to our hearts when they do it of their own accord and do it out of love for their quote-unquote master, whether that be your employer, your parent, those in position of authority. When something is done because of love's sake and not of compulsion, it has a deeper meaning and it goes a lot farther. That's what Paul's trying to get done here. And then he says something in verse 11 very interesting. He says, Formerly, he was useless to you. Useless. But now he is indeed useful to you and to me. And the interesting, the interesting thing is, the word Onesimus means useful, profitable, and was most likely a common slave name during that time. But he just said, formerly, he was useless. But his name means useful. So that must mean Paul's not talking about necessarily slavery. He's not addressing this point. Formerly, as a non-believer, he was useless. Now that Onesimus is a believer, he is now useful, both to you and to me. Paul is looking higher than what we see on a temporal level. Paul's pointing out the benefit of this new brother in Christ, no longer a slave. Well, he's a runaway slave, but no longer just a slave. Paul points out how he is now profitable to both of us and asking this owner, this master, to forgive this slave to serve a greater purpose. And this brings me to my second point. How does Paul live out the gospel in this plea to Philemon? Paul doesn't focus on the temporal situation of earthly slavery. He's focusing on the newfound freedom. Freedom that this slave has in Christ Jesus. But Paul does not neglect or overlook the fact that a wrong has been committed. As believers in Christ, the penalty and punishment for our sins is taken care of. Jesus took care of that on the cross. However, if I leave here today and I go rob a bank or a store or break the law, I will have consequences. I will get caught. I will have to pay the penalty. Paul's not overlooking the fact that Onesimus did something wrong. In fact, he's about to 
portray Christ-like behavior in his in verse 17. Paul says, So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. What this is, is called imputation. It's what Christ did for us. God put our sins, imputed them onto Christ. Paul is doing that, telling Philemon, you take his wrong and you put that on my account. I'll pay for it. The wrong had to be paid for, just like our sins had to be paid for. It wasn't that they were just wiped out. Payment had to be made. Christ made the payment. Paul is, is, a living, is living this out in his relationship with Philemon and Onesimus, telling Philemon to put that debt on me. He's giving, in a sense, giving Onesimus his identity, just like the Lord doesn't see our sin any longer when we've put our faith in him. He sees the shed blood of Christ. It's not our righteousness, not our perfection. It's the payment that has been made that God sees, and that there's, there's a big difference there. And then he even he enforces this by saying in verse 19, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. You see, Paul is rumored to have vision trouble from perhaps being stoned, uh, just maybe he had some other medical issue. Often his letters were dictated and written by someone else. Paul's writing this one himself. Uh, he may have written in big block letters. It may have looked like a third grader. I don't know. He made a point to let Philemon know, I'm writing this myself. I will repay it. To say nothing of your owing, the, owing me your own self. Paul led Philemon most likely to Christ, and he's telling Philemon, you owe me. But he's not really telling him. He's just kind of, I could tell you that you owe me. So, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but you know, how are we going to take, when someone says that to us, we, well, we, there's no other way to take it but the way you told me not to take it. So he's saying, I could make you do this. But then he says in verse 20, yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. We've heard that before at the beginning of the letter. He praises Philemon for how he has heard of his ministry refreshing the hearts of the saints. Refresh my heart. He's reminding Philemon to focus on what is most important. The tendency to separate our daily business life from our spiritual life is pretty strong. And whether we intend to do it or not, it often happens. It's easier to be holy and Christ-like when everything is wonderful or when we're talking about somebody else. But when it hits home and hits our pocketbooks or something that physically belongs to us, then we sometimes we tend to want to separate, well, wait a minute, I want justice. I want this fixed. You broke it, you fix it. And we don't, we remove the gospel from, from that situation. Paul is trying to get Philemon to focus on What's at stake? A former slave, a, well, a current slave who ran away has now found freedom in Christ. He is a brother, and he is beneficial. He's profitable to both of us and to the kingdom. Release him so that he may do more work. And in doing so, Paul's hope is that Philemon will see Onesimus differently. As in verse 16, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. He was, Paul was seeking to 
perform a greater purpose, an eternally profitable purpose because his focus was on the right thing. My third point, how do we handle a similar situation? What do we do when we're faced with someone who has wronged us and we have every legal right to exact justice and even the desire to enact justice? We just get burning mad. We want justice. What do we do? Well, the quick answer is, well, it depends on the situation, right? Well, maybe, maybe not. Paul addresses this somewhat in 1 Corinthians 6, beginning in verse 6. He says, But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers? To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. Now, that's not the same situation that Onesimus was in with Philemon necessarily. He, he did commit an offense. It, it wasn't anything that was questionable. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't me. Yeah, it was him. It was, he proved his guilt by running away. But Paul, the, the point of, of this 1 Corinthians passage, I don't think it's, it's Paul telling us we should never pursue a matter legally or through the proper legal channels. It's just that we shouldn't do that first. We should first step back and look at this situation or whatever situation through the proper lens. That is, is pursuing this matter going to yield a refreshing of the hearts of the saints? Or is it just going to yield justice for me? As much as we may not want to hear it, it is better in some cases to suffer wrong. That doesn't mean suffer incorrectly. That means be wronged and be okay with it. Paul is asking Philemon, hey, forgive him. He has done you wrong. Onesimus messed up. He stole whatever. He killed. He may have killed an ox. I don't know what he did. Whatever it was, Paul is telling Philemon or asking him, I'll pay for it, whatever it is. Suffer that wrong because our focus should be on a higher power. We sometimes need to be wronged or to be okay with being wronged for the benefit of the gospel, for what is a greater good for the kingdom of God. So how do we know when that is? How do we know? How do we discern, well, should I suffer wrong or should I pursue this? I don't know. I don't know what to do. Well, wise counsel is always helpful. Paul gives us a little bit of a glimpse in the book of Colossians, and I'll, I'll explain why I'm going into Colossians so much other than it's applicable. But uh, in, verse, in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 of Colossians, Paul says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. If we have our minds set on things above, we can more clearly see what the right thing is to do in most cases. We'll see that most times forgiveness and grace are exactly what is needed. Now that doesn't mean, just as in the case of Onesimus, that there shouldn't be a consequence of some sort. There is a difference. And I'm not saying 
to run out and do what the Bible says not to do. Don't go co-sign for somebody's loan and pay their debts just haphazardly. That's not at all what the point of this passage is. This is We're talking about someone's salvation, a newfound brother in Christ. Let's focus on things that are above. In the book of James, it says, where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there, depending on your translation. That was the New King James translation. Where if I'm envious and self-seeking, I'm either looking at you or I'm looking at myself in the mirror. I'm not looking on things that are above. And what does it say exists? Confusion and every evil thing. So if we're not focused on things that are above, we can expect confusion and every evil thing. So if we have the right perspective going into a situation, we can more clearly see what it is that we should do. In most cases, forgiveness and grace. Seeking what's best for our own self first does not yield refreshed hearts of the saints. Paul is asking Philemon to do that very thing, reminding him of what is most important. This may very well have caused Philemon to reconsider what he was planning on doing to Onesimus. So how did it turn out? Do we know? Is there a second book of Philemon? No. Just the one. Just the 25 verses. We don't really know what happens. Some believe that Philemon did indeed release Onesimus. Some scholars say, had he not, had he rejected Paul's plea, then the book of Philemon likely would not have made it into the canon of Scripture. A rejected plea would not really be circulated all that much. In fact, it'd be read, probably tossed aside, and forevermore forgotten. But the fact that it did wind up in Scripture uh, is a pretty strong indication that Onesimus was probably released. Philemon um, heeded Paul's plea. It's also likely that, and I keep, I've kept referring back to Colossians a lot, it's believed that both of these letters were written in about 61 A.D., but it's thought that the letter to Philemon was delivered first by Onesimus, and, and then because of the application, Philemon was a slave owner in Colossae. He already knew the slave master mindset. So just before, perhaps, the delivery of the letter to the Colossians, uh, being a member of the church of Colossae, Philemon would have been familiar with some of the, the wording Paul was using. And uh, both letters being written about the same time. And, and in fact, Onesimus is even mentioned at the end of the book of Colossians. In, in chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, and here's another one of those pronunciation drills. Uh, Tychicus, Tychicus, will tell you all things about my activities. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place. So if this is the same Onesimus, having him released and free and clear from his troubles with Philemon would help accomplish Paul's purpose for his letter to the Colossians. Paul sending this letter to Philemon by the hand of Onesimus just before those who were mentioned. See, you notice at the end of 
of Philemon, Paul mentions some others. Mark, who is with me, Epaphras, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke. Having those names also associated could have, could have helped Philemon realize, hmm, man, if these guys can also attest to this along with Paul, maybe I should reconsider and do what Paul says. That's, that's supposition, but it's very possible. In 110 A.D., the Christian writer and, and uh, Bishop Ignatius wrote about a bishop in Ephesus named Onesimus. That was a very common slave name, as I mentioned earlier, but what are the odds of a slave later becoming a bishop in Ephesus if it wasn't this Onesimus? So all that to say... It's not too far of a stretch to believe that Philemon did heed Paul's letter and that Onesimus was released to go on and serve a greater purpose. We don't know for sure, but one thing we do know, Philemon was included in the canon of Scripture. It is given to us for correction, instruction, and reproof. And it's just as important now as it was in 61 A.D., so may God give us the strength to set our minds on things above and to have the gospel in the forefront of our minds so that our responses, our decisions will yield the refreshing of the hearts of the saints. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are gracious, that you did not leave us without a way to forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, that you sent your son, Jesus. You put our sin onto him so that we may receive forgiveness and your righteousness and eternity in heaven. God, we thank you. We pray for wisdom that we would set our minds on things above and that we would keep the gospel in the forefront of our thoughts and our decisions in our everyday lives so that we may make wise decisions, so that our actions, our words may yield the refreshing of the hearts of the saints. God, we thank you, and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. What love could remember no wrongs we have done Omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not their sum Thrown into a sea with a bottom or shore Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more Praise the Lord, His mercy is more Stronger than darkness would wait as we constantly roll what father so tender is calling us home he welcomes the weakest the vilest the poor our sins they are many his mercy is more praise the lord 